0: Hello, GBC Church family. I trust you're all doing well and rejoicing, even in the midst of our present circumstances, as God's word instructs us to do. We're told in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And Paul continues in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. He writes, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. Well, it's with that in mind that we direct our hearts to celebrate this Good Friday. I'm going to ask Ken Saragusta to come now and read the scriptural account of the crucifixion for us.
1: Thank you, Steve, and welcome to our Friday service for Good Friday. glad you could be with us as we celebrate in memory of our Lord's crucifixion and hopefully sunday you'll be with us to celebrate the resurrection we're going to be reading out of luke chapter 23 verses 44 through 56 luke 23 verse 44 it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breast. And all his acquaintances... And the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, in a shroud, and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had been laid before. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared Spice's and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Lord, thank you for Your word, thank you for the truth of your word, the testimony of your word, the power of your word. Lord, we look to you this evening as we commemorate your death, looking forward to your resurrection. Lord, may we be mindful of what you took upon yourself on our behalf, the sins of those who would believe that, Father, that we have been sanctified by your death. In the resurrection of your life, that, Father, we were made anew. So thank you, Father, for this time of gathering together. As Steve brings our message, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Steve. Thank you, Ken.
0: I've been asked over the years, why is Good Friday good? Well, you see, it was on Good Friday that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was unlawfully tried in a rigged court of law. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross to die. He was crucified. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of things, but it definitely doesn't sound like something good. Well, it's good because it was God's divine plan that was carried out for his son. It was God's plan for His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. We're told so much in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 23. We read there, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through Him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus... Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He's been poured out. His life was poured out. Poured out himself onto death for us. His body was laid in a tomb. The stone was placed over the opening of the tomb, a seal was placed on that stone, stone. There were cards that were posted at his grave. See, Good Friday is a pivotal day in history. Think about it. Without Good Friday, Christmas is empty. It's without purpose. It's meaningless. Without Good Friday, there is no Easter. There is no resurrection. Without Good Friday, there is no hope for us to be forgiven of our sins. No hope for us to be made right with and accepted by God Himself. And yet, in our culture today, Good Friday is all too frequently rushed by, looked over with the anticipation of Easter. I think that's in part because... Thinking about Jesus enduring the pain and agony of that cruel cross, it disturbs us as it should. I think also in part, we don't want to think about Good Friday because it brings to reality the presence of our sin. And the idea that Jesus took our sin upon himself, that disturbs us much. And then it's just the mere fact that Good Friday is a sober, dark, silent, quiet day. And sometimes we have a hard time dealing with days like that. But remember, without Good Friday, Christmas is empty without purpose and meaning. Without Good Friday, there is no resurrection. Without Good Friday, there's no hope for you, for me, to have our sins forgiven and to be made right with and accepted by God Himself. So today I want us to come to the cross. I want us to stop at the cross. I want us to linger at the cross. Think of the hymn we sing. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There is a precious fountain. Free to all a healing streams flow from Calvary's mountain. That should be our prayer. Jesus, keep me near the cross. See, we can do that today as we think about those words God gave us about Jesus some 700 years before he even came to earth through the prophet Isaiah. and In Isaiah chapter 53, you can turn there in your Bibles, but we'll be reading this in a moment. But Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, it says, He poured out his life, he poured out himself to death. I mean, we can picture the image of something being poured out. We've all taken a jug of water or a bucket and poured it out. And by that, we meant we emptied it, completely emptied it. The Old Testament drink offering of wine was poured out. It was emptied as it was presented, as it was given to God. Well, today I want us to think about Jesus pouring out his life for us. Now, just before we read our scripture reading out of Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 12 I'd like you to view this short video
2: Come behold the Wondrous mystery in the dawning of the key. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ to condescend. Took on flesh to ransom us And come behold the wondrous mystery He the perfect Son of Man And in His living, in His suffering Never trace nor stain of sin See the true and better Adam come to save the hellbound man, Christ the. Resurrected as we will be when he comes.
0: Well, I pray that video was a blessing to your heart, and as we turn our Bibles to Isaiah chapter fifty three. Uh, Just follow along in your Bibles or your church app there um, as we read this scripture. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 12. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. It's our desire here today, Lord, as we ponder this passage in our hearts, that you would assist us in focusing our hearts and our minds on your word. Help us to clear our minds of all the clutter that it fills concerning the things of this world. We see all around us indicators that this world is not our home. (laughs) We're just passing through. Your word instructs us that even one day this world will be no more. Help us not to hold on to it with white knuckles. Help us to release it into your sovereign hands, to do according to your divine plan. We ask now that you would focus our hearts and our minds upon your word for its instruction and its edification. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's note some of the descriptions here as we looked at this text. I trust you have your Bibles open or your your app open to your Bible in in the passage in Isaiah chapter 53. We see here that Isaiah prophesied and Jesus experienced the following. He experienced being despised and crushed and rejected. He experienced being oppressed, stricken by God, afflicted, pierced, cut off from the land of the living. That's basically saying Jesus poured himself out. He offered himself to endure all of this and more for us. That's the prophecy that Isaiah gave. And you see the fulfillment in the New Testament, in the Gospels. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was seized, that he was bound, that he endured what we would call a sham of a trial. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was flogged with a leather whip. That most likely was embedded with pieces of bone or metal to tear at the skin on the back. He had a crown of of thorns. Experts say two to three inch thorns that was crushed into his scalp. The Bible says in the New Testament that he was spat upon, that he was slapped around, he was beaten. Ultimately, he was crucified. Jesus poured out Himself. He offered Himself to endure this and more for us. He was crucified. One scholar notes about crucifixion. They said this, Although the Romans did not invent crucifixion, they perfected it as a form of torture and capital punishment that was designed to produce a slow death with maximum pain and suffering. And that's what it was. The Romans also used crucifixion even as a deterrent to crime. The victim was often flogged first out in the public square, even as Jesus was. Some some people, they tell us, died even before they got to the crucifixion. They couldn't even survive the flogging. It was so vicious. Crucifixion was then carried out in the open, even in strategically visible places in the public, so that the most amount of people would be able to watch and would see it. It was a very common sight back in Jesus' time. Writers who witnessed crucifixion described it as the following, as cruel and disgusting, as the most pitiable and miserable and the ugliest and filthiest and the utterly vile form of death. Now, as we look at the Gospels, we don't see a lot of details concerning the agonizing death of Jesus in detail. I mean, there are some descriptions, but nothing in detail about his death. But that wasn't the purpose of them writing. They were focused on the the purpose and the accomplishments of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, you know, when you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of need for them to go into detail because everybody watched it back then. They were very too familiar, too aware of how humiliating and painful and even repulsive that crucifixion was was. So Jesus was poured out physically for us. Well, secondly, Jesus was poured out spiritually. He was poured out spiritually. Look again at Isaiah 53. Look at what we read. It says, Jesus, the Holy One, was numbered with the transgressors. It says that he bore the sin of many, took up our infirmities, and carried our sorrows. It says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He bore and was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. It tells us that by his wounds we are healed. Spiritually, is the indication. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was the Lord's will, Isaiah tells us, to crush him and to cause him to suffer as he offered himself. As our guilt offering. See, Jesus poured himself out not only physically, beloved, but also spiritually. He offered himself to endure all of this and more for you and for me. The New Testament paints even a clearer picture of Jesus pouring pouring himself out spiritually for us. It starts really with the beginning of his mission why he was here in the first place. It tells us that he came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. The Apostle Paul clearly states this. He says, Christ came into the world to save, what? Sinners. To save sinners. And that his death on the cross was essential to that mission, to the gospel, and ultimately for our salvation. In coming to earth to accomplish that mission, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, that christ emptied himself he emptied himself he sacrificed himself the gospels tell us that when jesus was dying on the cross he cried out he shouted my god my god why have you forsaken me why did he say that you may ask why would he say such a thing Because as the Apostle Peter writes for us in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds we have been healed. See, as a result, we can be freed from the power of sin. We can be free from ultimate death that sin brings. We can be brought to life and righteousness with God Himself. And so... At the moment, at that moment in his holiness, God the Father turned his face away from God the Son as he placed my sin, as he placed your sin, upon his shoulders. We often sing the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It says, How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Called out among the scoffers. See we cannot begin to understand. The depths of God's love for us. Nor even the depths of Jesus' suffering for us. At that time. We can't comprehend it. When Jesus took. Our sins on Himself. Scripture tells us that He became a curse for us. The Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It was my sin, that song continues, that held Him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. See, yes, Jesus poured out His life physically, but He also poured out His life spiritually onto death for us. Well, one question you should always ask when you're studying God's Word is, so what? (laughs) So what? So what does it mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean to me? See, out of the many things that we could say here about this passage i just want to mention two for time's sake first of all i want you to see that jesus's death on the cross means that god's loving redemption of sinners which he planned before time began was completed and then it was sealed with jesus's resurrection jesus declared that when he said just before he gave up his spirit what did he say He said, it is what? Finished. It is finished. Jesus voluntarily gave up his life to secure salvation for you and for me once and for all. Aren't you glad? Isn't that a blessing to realize that once we are saved, we are complete in him? We don't have to do anything more to get more saved. Because of his death and resurrection, whoever believes in his name, the word says, shall not perish but have eternal life. See, that is the the one and only provision that God has made for us. There's no other door. There's no other way to get to heaven. As Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He also said in John 12, verse 32, Jesus said of himself, and I, if I be lifted up from this earth, will draw all men to myself. See, all of this, Scripture tells us, is ultimately for the praise of the glory of God's grace. We're saved by grace. Well, secondly, Jesus poured out his life for us. How can we not pour out our lives for him? Paul was a great example of this. He told the believers in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. When he wrote there, even if I am being poured out, he penned it in a way that was very clear to his readers that he was being poured out as a drink offering. It wasn't a possibility, it was a fact. And about six years later, as his own execution drew near, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul poured out his life for Jesus, who had in turn poured out, poured out his life for him. Now, it's quite possible that none of us are going to be called on by God to end our lives with a martyr's death. Some may, you never know. But all of us who have been saved by Christ through faith are called to pour out our lives for Him as we live in our families, as we work at our jobs and our careers, as we live out our lives as part of our community. Yes, in all of our abilities and all of our giftings and all of our opportunities, we are to pour out our lives for Christ. So thank God today for Christ pouring his life out onto death for you and also commit or maybe recommit yourself to pour out your life for him. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your provision of Christ's sacrifice For the forgiveness of our sins. As the song we often sing states, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Father, we thank you for your provision for our salvation. We know that there's hope and no other. You state very clearly in 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, men the man Christ Jesus. We celebrate this day as your children as good because it was your divine plan to carry out the sacrifice of your own son for our salvation. And for that we will forever give you thanks and praise, and honor, and glory. It's in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I pray you'll be able to join us for Resurrection Sunday service. We'll be posting a video up probably Saturday night, so you can watch it at your leisure with your family. And I pray that you will have a blessed Good Friday, as well as a blessed weekend. And that you will gather with your family and and praise and worship the Lord Jesus Christ on this resurrection day.